Welcome to Level with Emily. This is music by Brent Meyer for Katoa. Katoa is a mobile game where you manage an ecosystem underwater, and some of the money that you spend on any microtransactions goes toward one of four charities, uh, all helping the climate, and you get to choose which charity of the four. Um, At the time of this recording, the Katoa website says that players have just unlocked a $50,000 donation to Earth Day. So that seems significant. So, um, you know, you get to have like animal planet underwater, uh, but do a little good in the process, which is cool. Uh, Brent is from around here. So we nerd out a little bit about Minnesota and in particular this region, the Twin Cities Metro and one of the uh, outer communities to the metro. Um, So that's kind of fun. Join us on Discord to talk about this and other episodes. You'll find that link down in the show notes. Please uh, check us out on YouTube. We have all kinds of episodes, including this one with Brent uh, over there. And if you can support us financially on Patreon, that'd be amazing. Patreon.com slash level. All right. Here is Brent Meyer talking about Katoa. My name is Brent Meyer. I am the composer and kind of part-time user experience, gameplay experience person on Katoa. It's a game that uh, has been in the works for about three years, done by a, a group of folks that are really keen on using games for change. And I know that there's a bunch of different initiatives, games for good, games for change. The the major premise of, of Katoa is that you get to you get to have this little underwater space. It, I always call it like underwater animal crossing, but with a purpose. <laughs> um, you 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 have this haven that you create that it, and and then you do these missions to attract uh, fauna to your to your haven, and you plant all kinds of different flora in in your haven, and you keep raising the level. But the cool concept is is that it's as a free to play game, so there are microtransactions involved. But any of the any of the money that you put into it gets directed towards a handful of different charities that are that are a part of the game and supporting it. So Earth Day Alliance and the Southern Ocean Alliance, the Great Barrier Reef Foundation. So there's a lot of any of the money that's coming in, a good chunk of that is going back out to to those to those spaces. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I mean, yeah, we I I love underwater anything. And I, I just the the sound is great. The music is is perfect for the vibe of the underwaterness. How did you end up getting connected to it? So the 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 person that got pulled in to to to, to direct the game uh, is a really good friend of mine. His name is Christian Rossi. I've known him for well over a decade at this point. He's one of those people that I met that that I just randomly met at a thing. Yeah. And the thing that we met at didn't go anywhere. 
but he and I became really, really good friends, like almost immediately. And so we've worked on a handful of interactive experiences over the course of our friendship. And um, when the opportunity came up for him to get back into games, he was one of the co-founders of Treyarch. So a long, long time ago, he worked okay. in, in the Call of Duty space and 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 did all of the fun stuff there. And um took a break from gaming, got pulled back in and and knew that I had always wanted to get in and had been working on music and had done music in the interactive space for a long, long time, but never for an actual game game. Uh, he said, you know, if you want to take a shot at this, I'm not guaranteeing that that you are the person that's going to get the job. We've got a bunch of other people we have to convince, but let's take a swing at it and see what happens. And um, they were very patient with me and very welcoming and very inviting and, and gave me the shot. And we eventually got to where we got with, with what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, uh, you know, right before we hit record, you mentioned that, that a lot of this happened over the course of lockdown and the pandemic. Uh, can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, uh, we kicked off production. I got my first piece of concept art on the game. I want to say it was in, uh, I, I went back and looked at the files not too long ago, like May or June of 2020. Okay. Um, so I was holed up. Uh, I used to live in, in South Minneapolis. So I was holed up in my home studio in Minneapolis, just looking at character art. That's all I had to go on. We really didn't okay. even have yeah. kind of the, the brief of what the demo was going to entail or anything like that. Um, was it was character art and we started just throwing together concepts and and it took a while to really figure out exactly what what style we wanted to be in it's funny that you mentioned like i love being underwater and the soundtrack feels just perfect for being in that space mm -hmm. it went in a lot of different directions before we landed on this real classical kind of orchestral yeah hybrid approach i would say yeah uh, you know, early on, a lot of it was like, literally, like, how can I make an instrument sound like a bubble? Or how can I, you know, how can I make this instrument sound like a wave? And it was kind of this weird kind of, I wouldn't say like full blown electronic score. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were kind of veering off into that direction. But the, the, the biggest issue the whole time is that when you look at those characters and that concept art, it's got like a real high quality, almost Pixar-esque kind of vibe to it. Um, and it just didn't feel like the electronic direction that we were going Sure, matched kind of that real magical feeling you were getting when you were looking at those characters. And then mm -hmm. there was a moment, spoiler alert for anybody who, who cares about that kind of stuff, but there's a moment <laughs> uh, early, early on at the end of the first time user experience where, where you're greeted with a whale, the mother of the ocean. And when she comes in like that, that moment, the first time we saw that kind of happen in game, that's when we knew, okay, we've got to shift entirely. Let's go this direction. Let's get really majestic and fanciful. We had a lot of references mm. to the movie Ponyo was referenced a lot. Okay, um, yeah. The Studio Ghibli film. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to figure out, because that's definitely not my background as a musician. I am not a classically trained person okay, yeah. so it was really like okay well if we're going that way i've got a lot of stuff to learn in a short period of time and mm -hmm. and we just kind of started started moving and so we we played with soundscapes and we played with different genres until we got to that space probably for about a year and a half of oh, just wow. just discovery which was yeah awesome frustrating at times but really i mean that's 
that's where the fun is, in my opinion, is like, what is the right sound for this? Mm -hmm. Because you don't always nail it right out of the gate. So yeah, for sure. I mean, there are so many directions you can go. We know this just from some of the most iconic uh, soundtracks that evoke space, right? Whether it's Star Wars or Blade Runner or something like that, you know, those extremes can, can, uh, you know, serve the purpose. So because you have that many choices, it can be yeah, tricky to find the vibe, but I I I love it. It it does it has that wonderment and it matches the art, right? Like you said, it's it's very um uh like you your avatar is like this kind of um not mermaidy kind of, but just underwater weird not weird isn't really fair to say, but yeah. No, unusual. I get where you're, where you're going. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We, we we call we call the avatar uh the being of light, which is what Okay. which is what the the kind of the main theme is titled beings mm-hmm. of light and it, mm-hmm. and it, and it just kind of, it's a motif that gets introduced right away on that title screen when you first launch the game. But then we carry that, that really simple kind of melody that plays throughout that throughout the entire game. And it's present mm-hmm. in all of the biomes that are available at launch. There's two of them. And you kind of, you, you, we hearken back to that just about for every single thing that happens in that game, which is also really, really fun. And that's where, you know, I was talking about how awesome of a human being Steve Pardo is. He really like was like, what, you know, what key do we want to do this in? And how can we get all of this matching up so that no matter when you pull that in, everything just works. And it was just like this Mm -hmm. mind blowing experience of, of, of working with him on, on all of that stuff. So, yeah. Steve Pardo, just as an aside, is a composer who lives in Nashville uh, and owns or co-owns, I'm not sure, but Skew Sound, right? Skew Sound, yep. And Skew mm-hmm. Sound did the sound for this game. They did all the, all the sound design. All the sound. And, and, and um, I mean, Steve reached out and was like, you should know to me. And he's like, you should know Brent. And so that's how we ended up having this conversation. So Steve's name might come up a time or two. We both huh. have this amazing adoration time. of it Steve Pardo, such yeah. a wonderful person. So Awesome guy. Just an yeah. awesome guy. Anyway, I didn't mean to, but uh, go continue. <laughs> no, I mean that, that, yeah. Look, back to your point, like you could go in so many different directions and it, and it, and it really did come down to what fits what fits those character designs, what fits, you know, all the, the word that just kept coming up over and over and over again was magical. You know, I think that there's a lot of yeah. mystery that exists underwater that we still don't know about. You used the great analogy of space. Those are two really unknown spaces that just seem so right. huge and so <laughs> large and unexplored that, that um, it just, you, you could, you could literally go anywhere, but it just felt right to to keep coming back to that word of magical and trying to elicit that feeling that you get when, you know, I, I've mentioned Ponyo before. I'll, I'll say it again. The, the Ponyo soundtrack was really, really a big influence on, on, on what we wanted to do. And that's Joe Hisaishi, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who does all of the Studio Ghibli stuff. And it's yep. just, I mean, not, I'm not even remotely suggesting that I'm anywhere near <laughs> that sphere of, of talent, but that is definitely what, what we looked at in terms mm-hmm. of, wow, we really like how these sounds fit this space and you wouldn't immediately go, yeah. oh, you know what? Full-blown orchestra underwater makes a ton of sense. It actually <laughs> isn't the yeah, first thing yeah. that you think of.
You do some really cool stuff, though, with some of those instruments, like um, uh, Gaia is the track where it's like almost kind of whale songy, right? You do all these portamentos yeah. in the in the uh, strings in the and cello. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk uh, talk about Gaia. Yeah, we. So it's interesting that the 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 Gaia sequence is is by far my favorite sequence in the entire game, and it and it also went through a few permutations in terms of what what her music sounded like. Um, I think the original version of her arrival was a waltz. Um, and the reason we didn't use that is somebody who worked on the team was like, I, if there's anything that's never going to be in this game, it's a waltz because I can't stand a waltz. And so we went back to the drawing board because we originally wanted this grand fanfare, you know, okay. she is the, she yeah. is the, the, the climax of that yeah. prologue that you're playing through and we wanted stuff to just build and build and build and and you'll kind of notice as you're playing through that stuff does kind of layer as you progress through that first time user experience the world starts in one state and slowly transitions to to another mm -hmm. um, and when she shows up you wanted it to be this like ta-da grand announcement that you've you finally met the person that you're here to meet and now you're going to get your missive for mm -hmm. you know what your job is for the rest of the game and then just one, you know, back to mentioning Steve, who will come up a ton, you know, he was, we were very collaborative when it came to like how the sounds enter, you know, the interplay between the sounds and 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 the music. And, and we were both just kind of like, you know what, this just doesn't, it's not working, but we couldn't quite figure out what wasn't working. And I was messing around with a sample library that I had, and I started like, sliding stuff and, and and the sample library is designed to allow you to play any number of notes and the transitions will kind of fill themselves in slapped a ton of reverb and other effects on there and it was just like oh it's that simple like it should be we it went from from this notion that fanfare was the thing that should carry it to gravitas being the word that that sat underneath it you really oh, wanted cool. this because the, when you play the game and you see her, she takes up the entirety of the screen, which is also awesome. Like mm -hmm. it really, the way the mm -hmm. developers were able to capture the scale of her yeah, on the yeah. small device that you're looking <laughs> at, to me was another like, just like, wow, that is amazing. And, and, mm -hmm. and just trying to come up with something that had more weight and that seriousness might be a little bit too far but i mean you are we are playing a game about saving the ocean because we as human beings are ruining it so you wanted to kind of have you know some yeah. sort of element yeah. of like there's a there's a there's a moment of of seriousness that needs to be in there but not too serious that you're too depressed to keep playing the game but you know she yeah. carries some weight and she is visually it's a stunning in my opinion it's a stunning sequence in the game and so it just was like let's let's let people focus on that yeah. Rather than overwhelming them with with music, um, which I think is what a good score is supposed to do. You shouldn't, yeah, you should notice it, but it shouldn't be the thing. Just again, briefly about the uh, 
the main theme itself. Yeah. Um, is that what? So that was then what you came up with first to establish kind of the palette over the long haul. Yeah. Once we, after we spent, you know, a good eight to 12 months exploring all these different directions. And like, I think the very first piece of music we wrote for, for Katoa, it was at that time called something different. And it was a, it was like just a, a, a trailer that they had pieced together with concept art and some early um, environmental work that had been done. Um, and, and that landed like a lead balloon. It was so flat. Like people who saw that trailer were like, I don't get this at all. It doesn't make any sense. The music, what is this? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we kind of went back to the drawing board and, and I just sat down at a piano and started messing around. And I think it's in G major, uh, the, the, the motif came first. And then, and then the rest of it was just like, well, how can I, how can we just keep adding more, uh, fanfare elements around it. Like, how can we fill this in? Just these little things that pop off here and there. Um, and that turned into the main theme. And we tried to keep it, there was always this idea that at some point, should the game become successful, we could actually record a, a live orchestra doing that piece. And so I was trying, I tried to be very mindful of how big to make it from an arrangement slash orchestration standpoint. Mm -hmm. So there's actually not, there's not a lot of instruments in there. It sounds big because I think we're doing a really good job of passing stuff back and forth and sure. um, just having these little ornamental things that happen every mm -hmm. time the motif gets played and then passing the motif back and forth. But that, to answer your original question, <laughs> yeah, that, that main theme then became kind of the benchmark for the rest the rest of the game and everything sure. is 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 literally built off of that that main mm -hmm. theme that plays when you first fire up the game Let's uh, nerd out about yeah. <laughs> our shared geography for a moment before we get back into the music, if you don't mind. Um, sure, sure. Uh, because when you know Steve reached out, he said that it was that you. He he was like, I think he lives near you. And I just always think of Chicago when someone says that. I'm like, oh, they probably live in Chicago, you know. <laughs> and then when you're like, I'm in Stillwater. That's yep. just so close. <laughs> yep. It's like literally your backyard, literally a suburb of the Twin yep. Cities metro. Just mm -hmm. a I call more it. I call it part the village. It. I call it the village. <laughs> but then yeah. you mentioned at the top of the interview that you used to live in South Minneapolis, which is where I live. Um, okay. And yeah. I, I love South Minneapolis, and I I can say my neighborhood because it's so large. I live in Powderhorn. Okay. And so where whereabouts did you live? If you don't, we well, were don't in Nokomis. We were in Nokomis. Oh, Nokomis. So right okay. over by, by right over, lake, we yeah. were in the pocket in between Lake Nokomis and Minnehaha Falls. Oh, nice. So okay. We were there for a long, long oh, time. We were there, there for yeah. uh, over over a decade. I, uh, my my wife and I lived in that part of town for over a decade, and then separately prior to us meeting, we each spent time in in pockets of of south and uptown and northeast and. 
yeah. about the thing that brought us to Stillwater is um, about five or six years ago, I started threatening my wife saying, I'm done with people. I am ready to go <laughs> off grid. Uh, and I, I had literally started looking at um, plots of land in Montana. I was ready to move to Montana to the middle of the mountains, build my A-frame cabin, move all of my studio gear out there and just be like, I'm going to look at trees yeah. and rocks and write music all day. Um, <laughs> and she said, how about Stillwater instead? <laughs> and so uh, it's about as Montana as you can get in the Twin it's about Cities. As Montana yeah. as you can get. Uh, but the uh, the truth is, is uh, I was actually I was about to hop on a plane and go to Montana to look at stuff, and then mm. the pandemic. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And then, really, really dear friends of ours. My wife has 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 known her friend Lizzie since kindergarten. Wow. They had been living out in L.A. Uh, for about six years, decided to move back. So they moved back uh, right after, like right in the beginning of the pandemic, March, I think, March of 2020, they moved back to town. We started coming out here to visit. Um, and I said, okay, this is this is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, let's start looking at stuff. And what, what started as a cool idea and a joke turned into, oh my gosh, we've looked at 70 houses. And... <laughs> Now we found one and wow. we found one, we lucked out on timing yeah. uh, and we got this amazing space right, uh, right up, right up from, right up the hill from, from downtown Stillwater. Oh, so. it's such a beautiful area. Just, I'm sure most people listening don't know it well, but it's uh, right on the border between uh, Minnesota yep. and Wisconsin and the St. Croix River is what is that border is. And it's just a beautiful I was, um, the 4th of July down there is a beautiful time of year. It's yeah. really fun. They shoot fireworks over the river and, um, yeah, it's just, we're really blessed in this part of the world really to just be surrounded by water. There's just water everywhere, you know? Um, and I love, I love everything about it. I love being over, I used to live in Longfellow over by the Mississippi river, Oh, sure, yeah. which, yep. you know, obviously right there by Minnehaha falls where you, you guys mm -hmm. kind of used to live. And, um, that's a, a totally different experience than the lake experience the river is right you know and it i just really love it is. i love it yeah, yeah. the mm -hmm. river that was something i wasn't anticipating like i've mm. been to your point but fortunate enough living in minneapolis to at least be close to to a lake yeah in general proximity and and mm -hmm. a, a river town is a very different experience yeah. mm -hmm. uh, it's equally as awesome um, but there are some key, there are key distinctions between uh, a river town and a lake town. That is for sure. Is <laughs> river for towns sure. are biker towns too, especially in this part. <laughs> like that's like a it huge really biker is. town. It's kind of wild. I mean, yeah. Stillwater, I, 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 you know, I had come out here a handful of times while living in Minneapolis, but, yeah. but it wasn't until I got out here that I was like, wow, there, this place is just like so diverse yeah. across every definition of the word too. We're going to have an art in the park festival yeah. that's right next to one of the biggest biker bars on the yeah. river um, <laughs> where I'm looking at a piece of fine art and some pottery that someone made. And now 15 Harleys are driving by yeah. to pull up into, into, into a bar to, to have a couple beers before they keep going on their lovely scenic drive yeah. up North highway 95. It's just kind of a wild, it's mm -hmm. a wild place, but yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Cool. So tell me about your musical history then, Brent. Um, you know, yeah. you, it seems like you've been a freelance composer. That seems like that's your, your gig. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, freelance composing is a relatively new gig. The my relationship with music, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning. Um, I've got a daughter who's about to turn fifteen, and there's a lot she doesn't know about her dad's musical past. And so, I've started to like play old records. Hey, did you know I made this? And did you know I made this? And did you know I made this? And she's like, Well, you know what, Dad? That's that's not bad. Uh, <laughs> nice. I grew up in a in a very small town, and so when when someone said you're going to have a career in music or if you said you wanted to have a career in music it was like well i'm either going to become a famous rock star or i'm going to go play in a concert band somewhere like those <laughs> were the paths right yeah so so i took the rock star approach i tried to take the rock star approach when i moved to to minneapolis after college i i was in a in a band called the lindales for for a number of years um and then after that disbanded i i was in an electronic project for a number of years called machines in transit um and and both were great experiences the lindales were moderately successful machines in transit was critically successful but none of it was like enough to kind of propel you to that to that next stage and, yeah. and you know my relationship with music at that point was kind of like well now what do i do and and i work in the interactive space i've worked in the interactive space for 20 years and i've mm. designed games in that space i did a bunch of work for virgin records in the early 2000s and every game that we made you know when flash experiences were a cool yes. thing yes <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> I would do all the sound design and music for those and we would put those out and that was fun. But I never really made kind of the connection of, oh, I could be composing as a path to take. And so I'm kind of a late, mm -hmm. a late arrival in the scene. But Interesting. Um, I was doing I was doing a bunch of work overseas. I worked with um the soccer team, Manchester United, the soccer team. I did a bunch of interactive oh, cool. work for them. Oh, fun. And all of the travel back and forth really just burnt me out. Mm, and so mm -hmm. I, 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 I resigned from that position and I, and I went on a self-imposed short sabbatical. And during that kind of three month process of, of like, I need to find another job, <laughs> but while trying to find another job was like really reignited my, my interest and, and, and love of music. Like I mm. kind of came back home to it and mm -hmm. so really just jumped in head first into the deep end of the pool being like well what if i did this and how do you do this and how are people scoring things because i'd written music for small independent films and stuff in the past but never anything at at scale and i really wanted to understand the scale of it and mm -hmm. dig into the into the into the the details and so i spent i spent about a good six years just studying oh wow um, and then the 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 Katoa opportunity came up and I was like, well, now it's time to see if I was actually paying attention for those six years or if I was just killing time. Um, and so, so, yeah, that's that's how I got here.
How did the study change the type of music you were listening to? I assume it did. I don't know, but I assume it did. It, uh, it absolutely did. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked a ton of different stuff. Yeah. But what I didn't have as big of an appreciation of before that I do now is, is more classically oriented music. Here's a great example. I... I've always noticed music in that context. I think we've all got like movies that that were oh, the score for that, the soundtrack for that is mm -hmm, awesome. Mm -hmm. When I played Skyrim for the first time, and I heard that music, yeah. and you can still hear that music. You don't even have to be looking at anything. You fire up any of those tracks from Skyrim, and you're immediately transported to that space. I was like, I mm -hmm. want to figure out how to do that. Yeah. That's what I want to figure out how to do. Because in the past, you know, I had always approached music from a very pop-oriented standpoint, whether it's pop rock or pop electronica. It was like, hey, we're we're doing a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and we're done. You got three <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds to do it, and then we're moving on to the next thing. Um, and if it gets played on the radio, awesome. Yeah. Uh, somebody buys an MP3, even better. Um it wasn't it wasn't until until that time where I was like, man, that that leaving that Manchester United job, jumping in and just kind of unearthing a lot of the the gear that I had kind of tucked away from the electronic days and saying, well, how can I use this stuff mm -hmm. to get into that space, which is when I discovered sample libraries and all of that fun stuff and really figuring out how to use those things and then, you know, when you're the only way that you're going to use those things successfully is if you understand how those instruments actually work. So reading classic Walter Piston books that say, Hey, this is how you orchestrate stuff. And this is yeah. how you arrange stuff. And just really immersing yourself into that and trying to mm -hmm. understand that side of it. And the funny thing is, at least from my perspective, once you do have a solid understanding of what's going on there, it's not actually that much different than your verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus situation. Right. <laughs> so. It's so yeah. yeah, yeah, but it did. Yeah, it changed. It changed a lot of what I really listened to and what I mm -hmm. got into. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I, I can't remember. Do you ever watch uh, Rick Beato's YouTube channel? The guy that uh -uh. that like it's he's this old dude, former record producer that digs into just different musical trends and oh, cool. and all of that. And he had this episode um about um why you why you stop i think that the title of it was why you stop listening to music that you love or why you stop listening to artists that you love mm -hmm. and i had gotten to that space i got into a spot where like all of the stuff that i listened to when i, when I was a kid and through college i kind of stopped listening to and always wanted to be digesting new stuff yeah yeah but going back home to the stuff that you love, I think when you're in those formative years also kind of unlocks this like freedom of creativity. You don't feel that kind of, not to get too deep and philosophical about <laughs> it, but you don't feel, you don't feel the weight of the world. If you're not listening to current, current state, yeah. current world music, if you can go back to music that's associated with something that reminds you of a lighter mm -hmm. space in your life, I feel like it gets those those wheels turning in 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 a way that are yeah. conducive to being creative. So I can see the PS5 in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We are a gaming gaming household. We've Tell got, me more. Yeah. We I I mean I'm lucky enough to have a a a wife who is also just a huge gaming nerd yeah. so we've got yeah. 
this is actually my, I'm in my garage right now. Oh, no um, shit. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. So this is, this is where the PlayStation lives. The Xbox is inside. We're all in every waking moment now, furiously playing through uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. Yes. Trying not to spoil it for each other. But did you see this? No, I didn't see <laughs> yeah. that. Please don't tell me about that. Yeah. Don't say more. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about it. It's yep. basically, hey, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. head nods across the room saying, yes, this game is great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we are, we are, a we are gaming nerds through and through and through. I love that. And that's been a lifelong thing for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can go all the way back to when I was a little kid. Uh, my dad bought an Intellivision. If anybody <laughs> listening remembers wow. what the heck that is. Amazing. That's where I started on the wow. Intellivision. Okay. So and yeah. then Lifer. Was, was made fun of because I was playing in an Intellivision while everybody else was playing Nintendo. And yeah, my yeah. Parents finally gave in and got got a Nintendo for us. Nice. I think when I was in the eighth grade. Okay. Um, and I've yeah. been hooked, addicted, whatever you want to call it, ever yeah. since. Now yeah. I know, I know a lot of people who live here and have always lived here who don't have the Minnesota accent. Most people do. You do not. So where did you grow mm. up? I grew up in Lanesboro, Minnesota. You I've did. Lived in Minnesota, the... It's another beautiful community. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah uh, go another village as it were, a much yeah. smaller village than Stillwater. I don't yeah. have a Minnesota accent no. because um, I went to college for theater and as a trained actor, ah. the very first thing that they did for me was you got to get rid of that. Yeah. And so I did. I got rid of it. But you can do uh, it if you I, want, I bet. Uh, yeah, I can. I can. I won't. <laughs> Right. Uh, no. But <laughs> no need. But but yeah. Yeah. yeah I um, okay. I do not have one. But yeah, okay. I've lived here the majority of my of my life. I did I went to school out of state. Okay. In, We're... in Wisconsin. Oh um, you naughty. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> Terrible. Um, but uh but yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Yeah. Lanesboro, well, another small, small village with bike trails. Yeah, and uh, I know people who cabin there. You know what I mean? Like, it's that mm -hmm. kind of place. It's beautiful. Let's get back to Katoa. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, we talked about the main theme beings of light and and how, you know, it's the, the texture seems fully orchestral, but you do a really good job like passing things around. So it, it just kind of gives more of that impression. But, you know, one of the things I notice in the subsequent tracks is that the texture does lighten up and, and mm -hmm. you know, there are probably a thousand reasons for that. You want to stay out of the way of the gameplay and whatnot. But um, but I'm just curious then how you made those decisions because there's kind of a lot of piano and solo mm -hmm. instruments, and I, I really liked the simplicity there. So so talk to me a little bit about about that. Sure. Yeah. It it we 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 were pretty intentional about dropping it down when you get into into the gameplay space, and 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 what 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 we really wanted to do was was use music. I mean, this sounds silly because this is what every game does, but I don't <laughs> think it happens a lot 
in 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 the mobile space i think i think there's a tendency in the mobile space to let's throw together a few loops and yeah sit them underneath it and call it a day and we really wanted to try and and do what you should do which is use use the score to reflect what's happening in the space so there's a lot of subtle stuff that's happening uh you know when you first get in there the world is somewhat polluted but it's not as polluted as it can get as you're going through gameplay so there's kind of this introductory space where we're trying to still remain grounded in that main theme mm -hmm. but but distort it in in different ways with with different textures that come in you know you'll hear a lot of kind of they're still all mostly i will say mostly there are some non-acoustic instruments in there but yeah but a lot of a lot of some of the texture comes from taking a lot of those acoustic instruments and like just taking plucks and knocks and things like that and just sequencing them and layering them mm. um, and then letting things like reverb and delay kind of give them give them that texture the only real non-acoustic instrument i think if i remember right through the whole thing is um there's a drone sound that comes that you can hear as your world state transitions into a polluted state um there's a little meter in the lower right hand corner and as it fills up there's a drone that shows up um mm. and it's this it's it's not an acoustic instrument um it's a synthesizer it's 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 a synthesizer called the lira 8 which uh, a really dear friend of mine pete cavidra loaned me for a period of time that that is like it's all it's like eight different oscillators on this giant thing but you play it with there's just contact points on it mm -hmm. like it's not you have to kind of really fine to you can't it's impossible to get it in a key it can't be done um even yeah. though it's got two each oscillator has got two different pitch controls on it to help you try to get there it's mm. never going to stay there yeah but you you have this really cool ability to just kind of as your finger it's not a theremin is kind of close but you actually have to make contact but it's kind of that level of sensitivity as you're moving mm. your finger over these capacitors these weird sounds mm -hmm. start to take shape and so that is the thing mm -hmm. that uh you start to hear as you're as you're transitioning into that polluted state and then we you know as you're going through that when you get into the more when you get into the raid state of the game you get more of that that battle music that really starts to we call it the hall of the mountain king music that just kind of starts <laughs> hitting you in the background and that's where mm -hmm. where we had the idea to do the rhythm part of it. Yeah, so, like the little the, battles are these, is there's a little rhythm wheel and you have to tap and the star and all the things. So talk about that. That is where Steve and Nick and the rest of the crew at SKU's experience was just in, invaluable. I, I yeah. would have had no idea how to approach that. And well, and just an aside, Steve Pardo used to work at Harmonix in Boston, which, you know, of course, Harmonix right. did Guitar Hero. And I mean, they were like the kings and queens they of rhythm gaming. They know what they're doing. Yeah, so he, he has a good doing. perspective when it comes yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to make a rhythm game, that's probably the dude you want to be talking to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he was just kind of like, well, this is, there's a bunch of different ways that you can structure this. And, and, and he said, what, what do you want to do? And, and I said, I think it would be cool if it wasn't, if it was different every time, like it's a rhythm game, 
but it's not a, a, a song-based rhythm game, which is what most rhythm games are. Right, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear I'm gonna play Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, and it's the same every single time I fire up Guitar Hero or Rock Band, and that's yep. that's what I'm playing. I said, but I would like it to have, um, you know, it should always be in the same key. But how can we how can we make every encounter different yet mm-hmm. the same? Um, and so we worked through that and and what what you're hearing when when you play that is there's a bunch of different one shots that we created that are different instruments that are layered together um i think there's bassoon and there's cello like really hard digs on a cello and um uh some oboe in there and there might be some 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 contrabassoon in there too um but it's just these layered sounds in in a key mm-hmm. that are all just dynamically pulled and then the bed track is written in the same key, but the rhythm varies based on the complexity of the battle that you're going into. So yeah. smaller enemies, slower, fewer hits, larger enemies, faster, more hits. Um, and that all kind of pulls, if you've, if you've played, it pulls the pulls your currency, your spending currency, the better your time is, the cheaper it is to defeat an enemy and all of that kind of fun stuff. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. And again, it was one of those deals where it was like, we could get away with just a simple loop here. We don't have to get crazy, but we wanted Mm -hmm. to see what we could do with it. And Steve and and Nick were just awesome in terms of helping Mm -hmm. us figure out how we're going to do that. This being, you know, the first game that you did a score for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you think that has informed you and changed you as a composer from, you know, this point forward? What did what did it do for you? <laughs> uh, it reignited a, a a deep, deep love for for music in general. You mm-hmm. know, like oh, I think. You know, going back to the world of 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 rock and roll and electronic music and pop music. You know, that to me, for me personally, that's always kind of gone. It's had its ups and downs. Yeah. You know, I'm really into this for this period of time. And it's the constant artist struggle. I'm really into this and I'm having a good time and now nobody likes it. And so now I'm coming down here and I'm going to hang out and then I'm going to give the old college try and give it another whirl. Um, it really, I, I mean, it opened, opened my eyes to all of the other ways that you can apply a love for music mm-hmm. to things. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I, I talk to friends who still make wonderful electronic experimental music and it's the process is, is, is so much shorter. Like the idea that we spent three years writing, I think the soundtrack, <laughs> there's, there's more music in the game that's on the soundtrack. For I think sure. the soundtrack clocks in at like 14 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the spec, the fact that we spent three years putting that together (laughs) and having kind of that level of freedom to just explore and and dig in and and go down pathways and really get a long way down a particular path before you go, you know what, this is not, this isn't the path that we're on. We need to come Mm -hmm. back and and explore a different one like that. 
that to me, that discovery element is where the best creative juice lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was the best part about it. And and I'm now we're doing that again on a on on the next game that 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 I'm working on. That's in a completely different direction sonically, but okay. also still in that discovery phase, which is cool. Okay. All right. What else are you working on? The the next game that we're we're working on. So uh, Christian, who is the gameplay director for for the director for Katoa, um, mm-hmm. he and I have kicked around this idea for uh, another game that is focused on nature. Oh, cool. Um, that I all I can say is I will classify it as a, a meditative deck builder. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. With, with the and the the score that's being done is very 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 different than Kentoa. It's a uh, um, really looking at like generative ambient electronic oh, okay. stuff, kind of. At, I mean, very different than Kentoa, but a lot of the ideas were were rooted in what we just talked about with the mm-hmm. with the battle music and how that was different every time. What if that's what if that's what it is for the whole game <laughs> all yeah. the time, different yeah. every time. And yeah. so just kind of playing with some some stuff in that space, but awesome, cool. Yeah. Well, what more do you want to say about Katoa or Stillwater? Please, please download it. Please play it. <laughs> yes, um, I agree. It's, it's really it really is an awesome game with just a tremendous mm-hmm. tremendous mission. Um, I would I'd shout out the fine folks at Snowden Studios who did all of the development on it. It's just a it's mm-hmm. a everybody. Everybody who worked on that game is just, we've talked a lot about how Steve is a tremendous person. Yeah. Um, everybody who worked on that game is a tremendous person because everybody's mm-hmm. heart is in the same same place on it yeah. in terms of this means something. We can do this and, and we can have it have it mean something. And yeah. um, it's it's gotten it's gotten a lot of momentum and we'd love to just keep it going. So this is my it's my shameless plug. No, no shame at all. It's I I've <laughs> loved the time I spent with it. It's it's beautiful. The sound is amazing, of course, and the music is great. So it's Thank a you. it's an easy uh decision to make, in my opinion. Just download the game, give it a try, and um, you know, if you continue with it, you're doing some good with your dollars <laughs> instead of just yeah. throwing it at some corporate machine who has right. seventy two other free to plays. But right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um well, yeah, it was great chatting, and I I, uh, I look forward to your next game, and um, and I I hope we can cross paths before that. There are plenty of opportunities oh, I would love to it. do I so. Mean, yeah. You're like 25 minutes from me. I know. So I should bike out and hang out Come out, out the to the village, let me know. We'll venture downtown <laughs> and grab a coffee. And Amazing. I've always wanted to bike out there. I, I just I was, became a biker later in life, not a, not a motorcyclist. Right. <laughs> Let me be clear. Bicycle. Non-motored yes. yeah. bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even very good all, at it. I wreck I mean, all the time. There's kind of that middle ground yeah. now though, right? There the big is. thing is the, elect- the electric yeah, and bikes. And you know what? Those a-holes pass me on hills all the time and I just want to punch them every single time. I'm like, you cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a uh, coffee shop here in Stillwater that opened right as the pandemic started oh. and everybody was like what's going to happen with this coffee shop and um i would shout them out if i could remember the name of it um they pivoted and started renting electric bikes during the pandemic wow and it just it was just like the most insane thing 
Like I was wow. down there maybe a year, a year ago and they were unboxing a whole bunch of new bikes. I said, what's going on? He's like, we've got to, we got to turn, we got to exchange them all. We, we burnt out all of the, the first fleet that we had. <laughs> wow. They're all, they're all done. We've got to, we've got to start over. Oh my so God. It's a wow. huge deal. Everybody loves an electric bike. Yep. Everybody loves an electric bike. Yeah, they do. The big and you kind of need losers. one. I'm just out kidding. here if you're if you're, if you're going up the hills out here. You kind of yeah, it's hilly by the river for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely yeah, it's a little steep. All right, but well, thanks a million. It was great chatting. Thank you. This was awesome. This yeah. was so much fun. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Brent Meyer, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of my chat with Brent over on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Please do subscribe. Make sure you get notifications. Those things help us out quite a bit, and then you won't miss any of our new interviews up there. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.